Tappers, what's up? It is the Thursday edition of the Daily Tap. Welcome in. Hope you're doing well. We are getting closer and closer to Friday. We're getting closer and closer to Packers-Bears week. Always a great rivalry there. And we'll talk a little bit about what if the Packers lost the NFC Championship game and the Bears won. How does that change either franchise? We'll walk down memory, memory lane a little bit with both teams. Also, too, we'll talk about Bucks Heat, why the Bucks do not have a PJ Tucker problem. And then lastly, we will do Marquette. We'll talk through their big win against Kansas State. We'll also handle Golden Kegs in both the Bucks Heat and Marquette and Kansas State. Uh, so that'll be the show today. Rate, review, subscribe. Please do. We'd really appreciate it. We'd really appreciate you guys telling everybody about this Wisconsin sports podcast that we have. I would love a little more listenership. I'd love to have more people involved in our community. I think we have a really good one. Uh, so please tell your friends. Uh, follow us on social. One one away from 100 on TikTok. I'd appreciate a follow there, Tapping the Keg Sports. Uh, that would be the one to follow uh, this week if you'd like. It's a lot of reviews. It's a lot of yelling. Um, sometimes leaning in to what's going viral on TikTok as well. All right, let's waste no more time. Let's talk about the Green Bay Packers, Chicago Bears, history altering what if. So if the Packers were to lose the 2010 NFC Championship game. The Green Bay Packers were on the precipice of greatness. The Packers were a sixth seed. They were facing their rivals, the Chicago Bears. Bears-Packers for the NFC for the NFC was a big deal back in 2010. I think if we were more in the social media era, it would have been even larger. They would have blown this thing up. Just considering like how much they're leaning into the whole I still own you stuff this week from Rodgers, which I didn't think about when we were talking about headlines on, I think, Tuesday's show. I didn't really think about that as something that would maybe you know alter everything this week or the Bears would use that as motivation to beat the Packers. And maybe that was the driving force for Chicago. We hate Matt Nagy, but we hate Aaron Rodgers more. Regardless, the Green Bay Packers won that. And the Bears, I wouldn't say they tailspin after it. The Bears were actually kind of successful. They they had an 8-8 eight and eight season. Then they had a 10-6 season. They didn't make the playoffs. I still remember the Bears firing Lovey Smith. Uh, I was a over the holidays. Uh, they got rid of him right away. It was kind of surprising because they were still winning. Uh, but the Bears needed a change. They brought in Mark Tressman. Tressman nearly gets to the playoffs. That's a whole other what if. Uh, Tressman nearly gets to the playoffs, but Randall Cobb catches a ball from Aaron Rodgers in Chicago to beat the Bears. And yet again, Chicago was on the losing end of the stick to Aaron Rodgers. So these own new comments make a lot more sense. But what if that didn't happen? What what would have been the ramifications? What What might have happened had Chicago won that game? Starting with the Packers... I have no idea. I, I don't know if we're talking about Aaron Rodgers as the next damn Marino, uh, that Aaron Rodgers would have never got back there. I don't know if that would have influenced Ted Thompson to make moves. I don't know if it would have influenced leadership to get rid of Ted Thompson for someone that's a little more aggressive because we have to get a ring. I think if the Packers would have had 2014 happen to them and they hadn't won a Super Bowl, I think Mike McCarthy would have been fired. I don't think there would have been any coming back from that. 
I think people would have wondered if the Packers were cursed, honestly, uh, because if you would have lost that game and then you would have lost the Bears game and there are no Super Bowl rings and you were 15-1 and and didn't do anything in the playoffs, I think that would have been earth-shattering shit, honestly. And who knows, right? And would Aaron Rodgers even stayed? Would Aaron Rodgers have looked elsewhere? Would that have changed sort of the trajectory of Rodgers the player? I, I There are so many questions that would have stemmed from the Packers not winning that single title. And it's not like the game was close, okay? So, like, obviously this what if is a little bit stretchy because Jay Cutler goes down with an injury. Caleb Haney, Todd Collins were in that game. So it wasn't like... Jay Cutler was leading a drive down late and he threw an interception to Charles Woodson. That didn't happen. It was more about the fact that the the Green Bay Packers were able to take control defensively. They came up with a few big plays. They had just enough drives. And oh yeah, BJ Raji had an interception return for a touchdown. So if you look at the Chicago side of this, if you look at what way to happen to Chicago... You know, Lovey, who knows? Maybe they they bring back some more of their guys. Winning a Super Bowl can sometimes breed a level of success and that you are then this great franchise for years and years to come. But if you remember, like, the 85 Bears were just a flash in the pan and then they had some success, but they didn't. They never were able to emulate it again. They were never able to get back to the mountaintop. You know, San Francisco had started to take over, and then you had the Giants come through with Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick. And so the 85 Bears, in a sense, were a flash in the pan. I realize that can make some Bears fans cranky, and some Bears fans might not like me for that, but they weren't a team that had a consistent string of Super Bowls, which we see sometimes. We don't necessarily see like every year, but every other, you know, they're in, like, I think about the Seattle Seahawks, okay? Like the Seattle Seahawks, Patriots obviously gold standard, all right? We don't need to use the Patriots because they, to me, are an upper echelon. They are a dynasty. They, but the Seahawks are a great example of sustained success where they went to the Super Bowl two out, I think two out of three years or three out of four years. Like they had a great run where you can look at it and say, all right, yeah, the Seahawks, that was a legitimate, you know, franchise that basically built, put themselves on another level, put themselves on the precipice of great franchises. And that's why it's so surprising with how bad they've been this season, because that is not what people come to expect with the Seattle Seahawks. I would argue the Packers have had that, even though they haven't got to the Super Bowl. The fact that they've been to the NFC Championship game, you know, now five times, is a big fucking deal. It, it just is. I, I I understand that people are gonna hate. People are gonna say, "Well, what about the Super Bowl?" It's fine, but the fact they got that far matters to me, and it should matter to you. It's again, you're one of the last four teams in the final. You're in the final four. Kansas City is another example. So. I, to bring it back to Chicago, it's like, would this, if the Bears had got to the Super Bowl, had they won, had they lost, I guess this would be their second Super Bowl in three years, four years, because they got there in 2007 as well, losing to the Indianapolis Colts. So that would be their second Super Bowl in three, four years. So that, I mean, that would be pretty good, right? That would sort of show you 
that the Bears... I think Lovey Smith would have had a much longer leash. I don't know if that would have been deserved, but Lovey Smith would have definitely not got fired after a 10-6 season had they got to the Super Bowl. It just would not have happened. Lovey Smith would have held on to his job for a couple more years after, and who knows how that changes everything. I don't think the Bears fans deal with the Mark Trussman era. I have no idea if John Fox then takes over. Um, you know, Jay Cutler's another. You know, Jay Cutler got ran out of town, and because of just the, they thought that he basically faked an injury, essentially uh, that he didn't want to be there for the big moment when really, like, the guy had a fucking sprained MCL. It was freezing outside, and that's kind of led to. Jay Cutler not playing like it had nothing to do with Jay Cutler kind of just being a pussy and saying I don't I don't want to be here I mean Cutler comes through next season and he only plays he only ends up starting 10 games for the Bears in 2011 and then in 2012 he does play all 15 he actually has a really good season in 2012 when the Bears go 10-6 they fire Mike Martz Cutler then back again with Trussman, uh, only plays 11 games in that 8-8 eight and eight season. And then, yeah, I mean, Cutler stayed around. So it's not like Cutler left. I think we think like, oh, Cutler got completely taken, you know, taken to school after that, that game. But no, I mean, he stayed around until 2016. Like that was, the last year of Cutler was 2015. And so that to me is... It's a little interesting, right? It's a little bit of something I think we all forget that Jay Cutler wasn't this guy that just completely, completely left the team. Like he, he didn't leave the team. He actually, oh, he, he played five games. Sorry, in 2016 he gets hurt. In 2016, out for the season. That's right. And then you go to Mitchell Trubisky in 2017, and the rest is history. There. It's a, it's a bigger question for the Bears than it is the Packers because. The Packers have had sustained success. Now, the fact that Aaron Rodgers might be the next Dan Marino and that conversation would be you know, omnipresent would be a real thing. But for the Bears, it's like their, their whole franchise has not got back there. They've not got back to the championship. Fuck, they haven't got back to the divisional round. Do you realize that? The last time the Bears were into the second round of the playoffs was 2010. They had the double doink game in a year where the Bears probably should have advanced. And then the double doink game happens and it breaks Matt Nagy's brain. And Matt Nagy was never the same coach. And I think years from now, if he wants to talk about it, I guarantee you Matt Nagy is going to come out and say, this affected me so much. I, I spent so much time on it. I obsessed over it. I went to therapy because of it. Like, I think it ruined Matt Nagy, the head coach. And I think that if that game doesn't happen, again, another what if for the Bears. If that game doesn't happen, who knows? Matt, if it just if the if Cody Parkey hits it in, maybe we are not talking about Matt Nagy getting fired today. I don't know. Maybe, you know, because that, that Philly team goes on and wins the Super Bowl. I'm not saying the Bears would have beat the Patriots. I don't think they were that good. But I think the Bears might have beat the Vikings, which would have been easily the worst championship game of my lifetime. If we would have had Bears-Vikings as the championship game, I, I don't know if I could watch that. I honestly don't. I, I don't mind watching the Bears and Vikings. They're on primetime a lot. They're, they're going to be on ESPN next week or two weeks from now, Monday Night Football. Like I can watch the Bears and Vikings because I just kind of laugh at both teams, right? But I, I don't know if I could do it if, 
we had Bears Vikings for the NFC. That would be it'd be a lot to take. I'm not gonna lie. That that would be be a tough one. It would be easily uh, a, a difficult task to to enjoy. But yeah, that's it's kind of where I'm at. I, I think it's more about the Bears, and it would be there's just so many different things that happened along the way, and the Bears really have never been the same. And they've been kind of this tortured franchise because of the double doink, because of the Mark Trestman era, the Aaron Rodgers pass in the Trestman era, the overall dominance from Rodgers, 22-5. and five. Like, it, that kind of started it all. Like, it, it, that to me is the, is the beginning of the Aaron Rodgers success over the Chicago Bears story arc. And that's... It's where it is, and, and it will hope to continue it on Sunday. I'll be we'll talk a little bit about the betting lines, get kind of more into it. Jair Alexander returning to practice. We'll go through all the storylines heading into uh, Friday and whether you should pit, place a wager tomorrow. So look forward to that show. Moving on to the Milwaukee Bucks. So the Milwaukee Bucks fell to the Miami Heat 113 to 106. That was not expected. I did not expect that at all. I thought the Bucks were going to take care of business against that team uh, because they had done it on Saturday, and maybe that was a fallacy. Maybe, maybe I should have, you know, thought differently about that one. Uh, that the Bucks were going to maybe struggle. They have struggled in, at Miami in the past. The Heat have been a pretty good home team. They were beat up though. They didn't have Jimmy Butler. They didn't have Bam Adebayo. That didn't matter. Uh, you had a huge game from P.J. Tucker, who had 15 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. I mean, that is a hell of a stat line for P.J. Tucker. Uh, oh, no, 6. Okay, I did I see that right? I thought it was 15. Yeah, 15 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds for P.J. Tucker. I actually saw Giannis' stat line, which was far worse. And it was a really weird game from Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, there are a lot of people who the hand-wringing is out about why the Bucks didn't bring back P.J. Tucker. And there's a lot of frustration right now from Bucks fans that P.J. Tucker should be on the Bucks. He should not be playing for the Miami Heat. Let, let's be clear about this. Number one, the, the whole reason everybody's upset is because he's on the Heat. The Heat are the Bucks' biggest rivals. It's not even close. I think there is a disdain for Miami and the fact that Miami knocks us out of the bubble, the fact their fans are just loudmouths on Twitter, the fact that their players have this fake tough guy machismo about them, I think the fact they flop more than Brad Davidson, like the Heat are scumbags. I'm sorry. They just are a scumbag organization. I do not like Miami at all. And that is a rival. We've talked ad nauseum about rivals and what rivals mean. The Heat are a fucking rival. So the fact that P.J. Tucker went to a rival is frustrating. And from all the people you talk to, if you talk to people who actually know about P.J. Tucker, P.J. thought he was going to Miami last year. P.J. thought he was going to be a Miami Heat, a member of the Miami Heat last year. The Bucks swooped in. They got Tucker. And P.J., being a party guy, being a notorious club dude, P.J. talks about it with Jim Ostrowski, about how he knew everybody, he'd go to get wings, people would interact with him. P.J. Tucker was out in the streets. I've said this before, but like, I have friends who are DJs, and they would talk about how, oh, I saw P.J. Tucker at Casablanca, oh, I saw P.J. Tucker out at 720, P.J. Tucker was at Silk, making it rain, like, 
P.J. Tucker is built for Miami, all right? Like, P.J. Tucker want, wanted to go to Miami. Like, don't get this twisted, all right? Like, I think we have this sort of, this owner cheapskate mentality because the owners could have kept him because they had his rights and the owners could have paid him whatever. They lowballed P.J. Tucker and P.J. said, fuck that, I'm going to go to Miami. I guarantee you, whether I know, th- I don't know this and none of us know this, and that's part of the problem. But I think that the Bucks said, we'll give you a one-year deal. Let's just call it in the middle. Let's say $10 million. We'll give you a one-year $10 million deal. We want you to have you, but we do are concerned about the age. That's why we won't go the second year, even if P.J. wants the second year. P.J. said, well, Miami's giving me 2 to 14. Can you match that? Can you do 2 to 14? Can you do 2 and 15? Bucks probably look at it and say, we don't think you're worth that much. And they move on. So I understand the frustration, right? But he's a 37-year-old player, all right? Like, this is the first two months of the NBA season. How are we convinced that this is sustainable? How are we convinced that P.J. Tucker is going to be able to be the same player in May that he is right now in December? Remember... P.J. Tucker was really good in the playoffs, partly because he didn't play for part of the season last year. He had a calf injury that kept him out for a long time right after the Bucs traded him. He didn't play a lot with the Rockets. P.J. Tucker had a ton of energy come playoff time because he had got so much rest in the regular season. And he was a zero-sum on offense. I realize that Miami has opened up things for him offensively. And that is a credit to Eric Spolstra and a discredit to Mike Budenholzer. Like, why aren't we criticizing Bud a little bit more for not finding ways to get P.J. Tucker involved offensively? That should be a frustration for people. I realize that criticizing Bud is something we used to do because he won a title, but that should at least be a discussion. So I don't think that we should overreact to a couple good games from P.J. Tucker against the Bucks. Could Milwaukee see Miami in the playoffs? Yeah, but guess what? I don't really trust this Heat team. They are a good matchup for the Bucs. All right? That's point blank. That's that's it. That's what you need to know. They are a good matchup for the Bucs. The Bucs need to at least keep in mind that they need guys to combat what Miami does. No question. That's something they should look for. But I look at Miami against the rest of the, the East, and I don't see it. Maybe against Chicago, but Brooklyn, I think... I don't, I don't think they can keep up with Brooklyn. Philly, I if they don't have Bam Adebayo, Philly's going to be a problem. And I think Philly also is really quick on the perimeter with guys like Curry and Ty- Tyrese Maxey. Like, I, I think Philly can present a real issue. And if Philly gets a guy like Dame Lillard, I think it's going to be even worse. So I, I don't see it with Miami. I understand that we're all worried because the Bucks have lost two games against the Heat. It's regular season. The Bucs lost their first game. Brooke Lopez, first game out. They were obviously hung over from basically a championship celebration, a coronation against Brooklyn. And the Heat wanted to beat their ass and send a message. This game was about the Bucs not playing that well defensively. The Heat made everything. The Heat went 22 of 47 from three. Caleb Martin had the game of his life with 28 points. And eight rebounds. I mean, Caleb Martin was absurd. Nine for 12. 
Max Strauss, 5 for 8, 4 for 7 from 3, 16 points in 19 minutes. And he had an absurd second half. This game is a fucking outlier, all right? And we can be mad all we want about P.J. Tucker. But I don't know if his stock's going to be the same when we hit the month of May. Let's talk Golden Kegs. Hand out the awards. We do hand them out in losses. Maybe not a social media post when they lose. Uh, I don't know if we'll get to three Golden Kegs in this one, honestly. Uh, Number one for me for the Golden Keg, Drew Holiday continues his reign as the Golden Keg master. 27 points for Holiday. Uh, He also had four rebounds, four assists. He was 12-17 from the field. Really had a great day from from the arc. Uh, I thought Drew played really well. Uh, it was it was an impressive day. His third quarter was great. He battled Kyle Lowry back and forth. Um, it just wasn't enough. Uh, they needed a little bit more from Giannis or Chris, and they just they didn't bring it. They didn't bring it tonight. Drew kind of put the team on his back the best he could, uh, but it, it just wasn't enough for Drew Holiday. So that that is my that's the third keg. The second keg tonight, I will give it out to. Bobby Portis, 18 and 7, 17 PER, not great for Bobby, but he still was able to provide a ton of scoring for Milwaukee. Um, I don't know if his matchup against Miami is as good as it is in, uh, for other teams. I think the way the Heat play, it kind of exposes Portis a little bit, similar to Brooklyn. They're going to have to work on that. Um, so I, it's a sec, it's a it's a two kegger, but it's not something I feel that great about uh the third keg i'll give it out to javante smart i know he was one of five from the field i know he didn't really shoot the ball that well but i just want to call out that i think javante smart is something i think javante smart is something to pay attention to i i'm not i'm ready to get excited i talked about this with mitch yesterday on the tab and the keg show i think the more i watch javante smart the more i think that this guy has something he's filling in nicely for george hill who's out with a knee injury uh, so I, I really enjoyed that, but the Bucks need more bench scoring. That's another thing. The Bucks can't, you know, when Giannis isn't playing well and Chris isn't playing well, you can't have the bench score 14 points. Just can't have that. Uh, that's that's not going to get it done. Uh, it was a rough night for Boogie too, who wasn't that great defensively. I know he pulled down six point six rebounds, but he didn't even have a point. So yeah, the, it was a tough game all around for the Bucks. Now you just got to get ready for Houston and Houston isn't a slouch they've won seven straight they're hot as my guy mitch said yesterday in a group chat to me he's like they can throw up 25 three-pointers absolutely uh so the bucks need to come out match that intensity make sure that they send a message they're usually good after losses at least they have been in the past they weren't as good last year you know the bucks had a couple stretches where they lost two or three games in a row uh but in years past the bucks have definitely responded well and kicked the shit out of the team after losing a bad a bad one and i would qualify the heat as a bad loss Let's move on to Marquette. That's a little happier uh, than, than our Bucks topic. The, the Marquette Golden Eagles were able to take care of business against the Kansas State Wildcats with a 64-63 win, a dramatic finish in Manhattan. Marquette really had this game won. Uh, Marquette had led. Uh, it, was, it was feeling good. Uh, Marquette at, at one point had a four-point Four-point lead. Cam Jones hits a three with like a minute left to go. You kind of think it's the dagger. Kansas State comes down, hits a corner three. That, I have no idea how that guy made it. I have no idea how it goes in. 
Uh, it then is a one-point game. Uh, Cam Jones, unfortunately, gets the, fo- gets the ball in a foul situation. He's a 60% shooter. He was great today, so don't like take it away. Like, we'll talk about Cam Jones in a second. Misses the free throw. Uh, then Kansas State has the ball. Also, Igudara is able to block it. The Desert Bear, my guy, who's kind of become uh, tapping the keg folk hero, uh, makes blocks the shot. It's an incredible block from Oso. And Marquette wins the game. And they get their first road victory of the year. This is a massive resume builder for Marquette. And more and more, they are trending upwards. And after a really tough loss to Wisconsin where the lights look too bright, while this was an ugly game, Marquette mucked it up. All right? Like Marquette did not let the ugliness affect them. They played really good defense and made it happen defensively. And when is the last time we said Marquette won with defense. I, I don't. I can't remember. I'd probably have to look through like the the logs for Wojo games. But Marquette never really won with defense, and they got it done defensively. And that to me is so important going forward. That if Marquette knows they can win with defense, that's that's going to unlock some things. That's going to make things easier offensively. But they do need to get guys like Daryl Marcel and Tyler Kolick going. Tyler Kolick is not a three-point shooter. If he is, he needs to fucking just go to the lane for a little bit, settle down. Like, Travis Diener, who he looks like, we all know it, we've talked about it. It's like a Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, Patriots wide receiver thing. Diener needs to reach out and be like, hey man, I've watched you, I've enjoyed you playing, you need to attack the rack. Like, he, he just, he's a good passer, too. Like, he gets in the lane, like, he's going to open up opportunities for guys like Cam Jones, guys like Justin Lewis, uh, Oso. Like, he's going to open up opportunities. You need Tyler Kolick to stop fucking shooting. It just needs to stop. He just needs to stop shooting. He, he is a lost cause right now, and he'll find it, and he'll get it, but he needs to find rhythm shots. He can't force it. And that's what I'm worried about, that he's forcing shots. I I get scared that that's going to happen against UCLA in a game where everybody's going to be on fucking tilt. But yeah, 0 for 7 last night, all from 3. He did have 8 rebounds and 7 assists. So it's like, you look at that stat line and you're like, okay, he was awesome in everything else except for shooting the basketball. Get to the foul line. Like, Marquette was 1 of 3 free throws. They shot three total free throws. And Kansas State fouls a lot. Like, Marquette needs to attack the rack more. That should be an emphasis for Shaka Smart coming into Saturday. Like, Mark, there's no way you should only have three free throw attempts. That's that's absurd. We've we've talked about that when we used to talk about the Badgers, who, yes, had a very good win. My guy Doze was like, can we get a golden keg for Johnny Davis? Doze, just for you, Johnny Davis, three kegs. All right, that, that's for you. That's a gift for you. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Johnny Davis, three kegs. All right, okay. So anyways, you need more free throws. And we've taught, the Badgers suffered from this where they would have moments where they would all they would do is shoot and they wouldn't attack the rack. Marquette was terrible this entire game. They needed to it from offensive. Just They were good defensively, but I mean, shot 41%, 29 from three, like, only three free throws. Like, that's a terrible offensive day. Marquette needs to attack in those situations. And they just did not do it. So, let's hope we get a little bit more from Marquette. 
uh, going forward. Uh, that UCLA game is going to be something else. Um, I think the gym will be rocking. It's going to really come down to Ken Marquette sort of give a punch early to UCLA and respond to UCLA's punches. Because UCLA is very talented. Um, but this might be their first true road game. We'll talk about that game tomorrow uh, in more detail. I don't know if there'll be a betting line. We'll, uh, as we kind of talked about with basketball, we're going to look at more of the Ken Palm stuff and see where Ken Palm has it. Uh, if our guy, uh, Greg Peterson, who's a great follow if you're into sports handicapping mostly college basketball Greg at GUnit81 gotta follow him oh it's a must follow so if he has Saturday's games up while I tape I don't think he will because I'm I'm going to be doing the podcast uh, Thursday night hopefully uh, that we will not necessarily have that from Greg but that's that's okay we'll talk we'll talk a little Badgers Ohio State too because you know I'll, I'll do it for the people I need to fill content um, I know I don't I don't talk too much about the Badgers uh, but we'll at least we'll at least look at the betting, what I would do uh, betting-wise with that. Just because I know, know we have friends that, that like the Badgers and would want to talk about that. But we're not here to do any more on Wisconsin. Let's give out some golden kegs before we ride out. Uh, golden, three golden kegs going to Cam Jones. Great stat line, 15 points, uh, four made threes. He had some big shots in this one. He is so unafraid, you guys. Like, Cam Jones has the irrational confidence that is needed for this Marquette team. He's not afraid of the moment. He's a f- true freshman, and he just, it, 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 nothing phases him. He has ice water in his veins at a young age. I think he is only going to get better. I am so excited for the potential that Cam Jones has. I think it's real. I think he has emerged, and the stock keeps rising for Cam, Cam Jones. Two, st- two kegs. I'm going to go with Greg Elliott. Now, I know it was three at eight. I know he only he, he had eight points. Justin Lewis, I think, had a better stat line. But Greg Elliott was a shot in the arm in the second half. That was the Greg Elliott that we saw last season. It finally looks like Greg Elliott of old. So whether it was Greg just needed some time you know, to, to adapt, he needed some uh, some ability to get comfortable with the Shaka Smart system. He kind of looked lost. He looked a little bit like he didn't want to be there at times earlier this year. Greg is fully back, and you love to see it. I loved him putting his arm around Cam Jones before the free throw. Um, I It obviously didn't work out. Jones misses the free throw, but Greg Elliott being that senior leader was really important, and I think that if Greg Elliott can kind of continue to show this, he could maybe push his way to the starting lineup. I think he's really good off the bench. I mean, 16 minutes off the bench, eight points, really good effort from Greg, and love that from him. Love the second half. I think that was a major push from Elliott that we haven't seen all season, and that's a huge development for Marquette. One keg, Justin Lewis. Justin Lewis had a really good stat line. Like, you look at his stat line, and you're like, fuck, well, how is this guy only had a one keg? 14 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks. That is a full stat sheet. There needed to be more from Lewis in terms of getting to the free throw line. Like, he just can't not get to the free throw line. Like, he had 14 shots. Like, you need to attack a little bit more. We needed Justin Lewis in the paint uh, just more in this game. And it wasn't there, which is unfortunate. Uh, But I, I felt like Lewis had a good game. I didn't think it was as impactful as Elliott and Jones. But... Really nice to see him fill up the stat sheet. He continues to be a star for Marquette and very excited to watch him against all of the UCLA talent on Saturday afternoon. All right, that does it for today's show. As I've mentioned, rate, review, subscribe, follow us on all the socials. We'd appreciate it. 
We'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk betting. We'll talk Bears, Packers. We'll talk uh, Marquette, UCLA. And like I said, we'll we'll do a little Wisconsin, Ohio State. Uh, maybe we'll talk. Uh, we won't talk about the bowl the bowl game yet for Wisconsin as well. Uh, that could have been a potential. And we'll talk about anything else that is uh, on the precipice, on the headlines. I don't even know if I didn't say precipice right. Uh, whatever. All right, I gotta go. See you. Bye.